You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hi there, welcome again to another episode of the, of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. As always, I'm your host, Benjamin Hall from DreamLoud Studio. And I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. How's it going, Vadim? It's going all right. It's going all right. I, uh, I recorded a ukulele for the first time ever this morning. Oh, fun. And it was a lot of fun. How would you guess... I did it. Or how would, how would you do it if you were recording a ukulele? I probably would just put one condenser mic on it. Just capture it in the room. I have done uh, the XY technique that I talked about on here before to get more sound from it. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. It kind of works. I yeah. just try not to overthink it because the ukulele. But what did you do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my thought exactly. I was like, I'm not going to overthink this. It's a ukulele. It's a little filler for the song. So I just took a um, small diaphragm condenser mic because I really wanted it to be like a plucky, super bright, high sound. I was going to filter out all the low end anyway. And I just put it a couple inches away from the neck body joint, plucked away. No problem. Sounded good. I was happy with it. So yeah, don't overthink it. I was thinking that like... Uh, um in <laughs> fact this because of this podcast setup i usually have this the sm7b like next to me at all times and mm -hmm. that's been kind of a benefit because i used to like put all my mics away after sessions and set them up but having this always here i there's something to be said for like having something ready to go because sometimes i'll be like boom i need snaps and like i just get the i just plug the mic in it's actually it's already plugged in i just turn on you know the channel or whatever the phantom power get my snaps recorded like it's a dark mic i don't care it snaps you know what i mean yeah the 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 mm -hmm. beauty of being just able to do it in the moment is like is just worth it yeah absolutely cool that's my opening awesome. rant <laughs> today <laughs> On a different note, I went and I bought a couple cymbals for my drum set on Saturday, which was very fun. I don't normally treat myself that often, but I really wanted another crash cymbal and maybe a splash. And that's what I picked up. I picked up a beautiful 19 inch crash and a prototype, only one of its kind, a 10 inch splash that was kind of a cool sounding cymbal because it, it didn't sound like... Um, you know, what I th typically think of a splash, I think of something that decays really quickly. But this 10-inch splash was kind of like a mini cymbal where it uh, it was high-pitched, but it had a longer decay. So I'm say 10 kind of sounds interested. like pretty it big just, for a splash, actually. Yeah. I mean, they come in like 8 or 10 inches, I think is pretty standard. Oh, yeah? Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm interested to hear how it records. I just kind of got it because it just sounded so nice. Um but I'm wondering what that will sound like. Because sometimes what I've noticed uh, when you're trying out a cymbal and just hitting it with a stick, they tend to sound a lot bigger, louder, and the decay is longer than what they actually sound like when you record them. Sure. Does that make sense to you? It does, yeah. Yeah, because they're just, so I don't know, I guess the sustain is getting buried and whatever else is going on. And 
probably what you're recording is right. uh, you don't if it was maybe just pure silence, right? You would hear a longer sustain. Here's what I'm picturing, by the way. I'm picturing you walk into a store yeah. and you have like those lawnmower like earmuffs on that you know <laughs> you use to protect your ears, and you have your own stick in your back pocket of your jeans, and you're just walking around hitting different symbols, and everybody hates you. Is that is that about how it goes? I would do that if I was a drummer, but since I'm not a drummer. <laughs> I, I'm fine with whatever drumsticks that they provide for me. So that's that's, that's worse. Totally fine with me. That's worse. You're saying you're actually using borrowed drumsticks from the store, smashing them against their symbol. Yes. Yep. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I happen to be lucky because it was actually like um it was like a special vendor day. Um Dream Symbols is the name of the company. They actually make really good gear and it's it's much cheaper than stuff you can get from Meinl, um, Sabian or Zildjian. I would say they're oh. comparable to like, um, they're not, per they're probably not quite as good as Meinl, but they're like somewhere in between like Meinl and Sabian as far as sound goes. Um, but yeah, I happen to get, be lucky though, because I was the only one in the store at that vendor oh. thing at that time. And they said it was super busy before I got there. So, the worst is just like drum day because it's just insanely loud in a in a drum store. So I just went in. I knew what I wanted. I hit a couple symbols. I was like, I'll take this and this. I'm out of there. <laughs> nice. I used to be the guy who would like lounge around the drum area and just like look for really good drummers. And then I'd be like, hey, you want to be in my band? <laughs> <laughs> you were that guy? They you never that guy? said yes. Just the guy in the trench coat being like, hey. <laughs> really like your sound man you want i'm a guitarist me and everybody else in this in this <laughs> shitty store and i feel like that that's, band? <laughs> i feel like that's acceptable though at a guitar store all right what uh what are we talking about today what's our episode so i figured that we would uh talk about some templates today you know what are they how how could we use them in our workflow how do we create a template that works for us and maybe some pros and cons of using templates? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think it, I think it could be fun. Maybe this is a little bit basic for some of our listeners out there, but maybe some people have never tried using templates. So I know I'm a big advocate for using templates. Maybe I can convince you to give them a shot. I think there's two types of people. There's people who jump into using templates prematurely Yes. This guy. I tried that. And me. And then they fail. And then there's people who refuse to use templates. Also been there. Also been this guy. And um, you don't want to be in either category. I think the the place you want to be is, there's, is, is to recognize when something in your process will lend itself well to being templatized and then taking the time to create a just enough template that's going to be... yeah easy to use, useful to use, and not going to drive you crazy with having to actually work the template to get to where you need to get because then you've over-designed it. Also have been there and done that. Yes. <laughs> so it's a, a bit of a, you, you can definitely go wrong with templates and not every situation needs it or benefits yeah. from it, I think. Yes, I very much so agree. I think you summarized it well. That's where I wanted to start it with, you know, what is a template? And I had a very simple explanation, yep. but I think that you gave a great one there as well. But I basically I don't would think call I talked about what it is actually. 
<laughs> so a template is <laughs> tell us what a, it is. So specifically in a DAW, it's a file type that you can save as a basic jumping off point for whatever you're trying to accomplish in your session. So you could set up a template, uh, a file template that is for recording. You could set up one that helps you with songwriting. You could set up one for mixing, which is probably the, if you're familiar with templates at all, or I've heard people talk about them, that's probably what you've most heard people talk about is mixed templates. Some of your mixed templates. Can I see your mixed templates? <laughs> type of thing. But you can use them for anything. Don't do it. And don't use anybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can use them as a guide, but it's hard to use somebody else's. And we'll get we'll get into that later. <laughs> but I don't want to just limit it. I don't want to limit templates to just talking about um, file type as just a session a different session type, but also thinking about templates as a way to make workflow better. Um, cause I know in studio one and I'm sure you can do them in, in all the other DAWs, but you can create a, uh, process chain or a plugin chain and save that as a template. So on any individual channel, I can bring up a customized set of plugins that let's say I like to always use on my bass guitar. And so I can save that as a template instead of having to load and fine tune settings for, uh, especially if I'm using the same ones all the time. So let's not just only talk about the file type of templates, but let's also talk about different ways we can use templates in our sessions. Yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna even zoom out further than that and say that, yes, we will talk about DAW templates and things you can do in your DAWs for whether it's recording or mixing, but I, I was just thinking about other templates that like I have in my studio. One example would be something like recall sheets. So for example, an, exa uh, an example of a useful template yeah. might be something like you take a piece of paper and you draw your amp head on it. Okay, if you're a guitar player and you draw all the knobs and you label them and you leave the knobs blank without any of the notches and then you take that and you photocopy it 10 times. That is now a template for a mix or for a tone recall. So now you can draw in your little notches on your knobs and you know, write the name of your session and you know exactly where your amp was set to for that session. Same thing with your pedal board. Be cool to like draw your pedal board and all your pedals on it, which one was engaged, which, which one was disengaged and what were all the settings. Um, so that's one template. I was even thinking like you could go abstract with this and have like a recording setup template where you're like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I use these mics into these channels, like for something like drums, right? If you're going to yeah. record drums in your room, you're probably going to do it similarly every time. You can have the, that those things preset. And uh, that's, in a way, that's a template. So a template, I, I think of it as anything that is a, would be otherwise be a repetitive task. You find yourself mm -hmm. doing it over and over again and connecting this thing, or I'm pulling up this plugin, or I'm setting this routing. Once you've done it 25 times and you know you're going to have to do it 25 more times, that's like a flag that says this could be templatized. So, and I like what you called it a jumping yeah. off point, which I think is perfect. Like that's what it is. It's, mm -hmm. it's anytime you can get repetitive tasks out of the way and get yourself to the jumping off point. You touched on something really important there. Um, the whole goal here is to get away from using our our precious creativity or, or saving time for our precious creativity 
uh, and allowing that to be the majority of the process whenever we're recording or mixing or editing instead of spending it on thinking about, you know, how did I make up these drums again? Or how did I do this? So we're, we're trying to hack our brains because we know that, uh, we've talked about this on previous episodes, but, um, creativity is, uh, it's like a, a limited resource. Um, there's only so much energy that we have that we can put into creativity. So the more time that we spend in our sessions that we're not being creative, uh, the more we're kind of like frying out our brains to be able to, to think in that way. Yeah. Well said. Let's talk about how we can create some templates. Now I'm, I'm primarily focused on, uh, DAW templates, but you, uh, Vadim, feel free to jump in and talk about anything more abstract that you might've prepared and we can banter off that as well. <laughs> so, uh, in general, in a DAW, most, if not all, I'm guessing that all of the DAWs out there, they have preset templates that you can pick from. I know in studio one, they'll have, uh, acoustic recording template or drum recording template or singer songwriter template. And these are templates that aren't designed by me. They were designed by the, um, DAW manufacturer, the software manufacturer to try to come up with something that is closer to a session that could accommodate those different types of recording. Um, so we might have to customize those even farther to fit our own specific needs, but that's one type of template, one that's already pre-made for you. Uh, we've touched on this and Vadim said, stay away from this at all, at all costs, which I mostly agree with. There could be some exceptions of this. Um, but so, you've probably seen some content creators, YouTubers, and even other uh, plugin manufacturers. They'll release free downloadable, sometimes paid, but mostly free downloadable templates. Get Steven Slate's mixing template. Get blah, 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 whoever else, CLA. They're mixing templates, so your vocals will sound just as good as him, except they never do. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can download a template to use in your DAW. I think a better way of using templates that you could download from other plugin manufacturers is just to take a glance and see what other people are doing. And it might uh, give you some ideas of how to set up your own workflow. And, and rather than just adopting and using somebody else's template, you can use that to modify what you're doing and it can give you some different ideas. Um, but my favorite type of templates are the ones that I've created for myself. Uh, to solve those repetitive tasks and to make my uh, sessions go better. And a lot of times what I will use is previous sessions that went really well as the basis for creating my templates. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very valid point. That is the value of templates, other people's templates, is that you can get other ideas for workflow. But I, I had this experience fairly early on when I was playing around with amp modelers. I bought this floor amp modeler uh, from line six called a HD 500 X. It's a pretty nice amp modeler. I was, that was the first amp modeler I owned that I was able to get like believable dual rectifier Mesa boogie tones out of. Mm. Right. But I remember I was on all these forums constantly like dialing in tone. I was really nitpicking it and people would post their tones, their patches, right? They would say, here's my Meshuggah tone. Here's my slash uh, child, sweet child of mine tone. And I was like, 
downloading all these patches and I would plug my guitar in and they always sounded terrible. They always sounded completely awful. And I was like, well, this makes sense because my guitar is different. The output, how hot my output runs is different. You know, my, everything is different basically about that, about my setup. Yeah. And it never worked for me. And and a similar thing can happen with templates when you say like CL here's this, the EQ curve that CLA uses. It's like, well, what is his source material? Like yeah. where were his vocals recorded? What kind of microphone was the singer too close to the mic? Like there's too many variables there. But what you said is absolutely valid, which is from like a meta standpoint mm -hmm. where it's just like well, what does it look like what does cla's mixed session look like wow that's really interesting to be able to view it how does he do his track routing and so on and 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 i actually like similarly in pro tools it comes with some pre-made templates and i've actually never really pulled them up or played with them but another way to use templates which you touched on in the end is to just import set, uh, um tracks from an older session and that's actually the way i use templates like my template is just a regular session mm. and i import tracks from it and there's a couple of reasons why i prefer to do that which maybe we can we can get into as we um as we continue talking about this so i'm curious how it works in pro tools because i i gave the specifics and i'll talk about this briefly about how to actually create or how i would go about creating a template in studio one so what i would typically do is let's just say so this most recent mix that i gave you vadim that turned out awesome i want to use that as my new general mixing template so mm -hmm. i'll go in i'll open up that session and the first thing i'll do is click on save as and that way uh i could save basically a mirror image copy of the session under a new name so i don't screw with the previous session at all so it still stays the same I do the save as, and I'll probably just call it DreamLoud Studio Mix Template 2021 or something like that. Um, then once it's saved, the next thing I can do is delete all of the audio out of it so that I just have all the routing and plugins. And then I can, uh, I can do a save again just to save that. I've already done the save as, so it's already a new session. But then mm -hmm. in Studio One, there's a specific command that is um, save as template, and it creates a template file. It's very similar to uh, in Microsoft Word, how you can create a Microsoft Word template type of file. Mm -hmm. And so at the home page of my DAW, there's uh, whenever I create a new session, it will give me the option of opening a blank session, uh, opening a file, or creating a new session from a template and i'll see my template that i created in there absolutely exactly like that in pro tools um one thing that i've run into and this is one of the reasons why i stopped using a template file and i started just importing tracks is because of sample rate issues i found i think when i created okay. a template i had to have like a 48 kilohertz um sample rate mixing template and a 44 one and a 96 I'm, if i'm mixing i'm getting like stems that are always mixed you know bit rates different bit rates i was like this is annoying i don't want to have three different templates and i i didn't research it enough to see if pro tools could give me that flexibility but instead i just created a session that's whatever 44 one and i can import tracks from that session into my actual session that i'm going to be using for the mix which i've set up to be at the bit rate 
for the mix. Okay. Have you run into this? So Studio One has this. In Studio One, there's this awesome feature where the sample rate automatically converts for you. So I could essentially work in a 48-24 session with 44-1-24 tracks. Of course, they 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 really thought of everything. Yeah, Studio so that, one is uh, that's one thing that better I noticed. better for me every month. <laughs> yeah, that was probably the most annoying thing for me because that's you know full disclosure. That's what I learned on is Studio One, and I do have a copy of Pro Tools, um, just for me to learn a little bit better. And the one annoying thing for me was that I noticed that if you make that mistake of creating the wrong uh, session. <sighs> sample rate then you have to start all over so it's that's yep. that was definitely a point of annoyance for me but super annoying to, to um, another on. tip i'll give you is um when i've done this method of okay i really like the way this mix went i want to use this as a template another thing you have to remember to clear is all of the automation you may have written well, i've done point. this a couple of times and it, it really has bitten me once or twice where I'm like, okay, I've created my template. I'm happy with it. I start working in it. And all of a sudden I'm like, why are these guitars so quiet all of a sudden? And it's because I had a little bit of automation written somewhere that was from a previous yeah. session, totally different timeline, totally different song. And it's in there. So there, in Pro Tools, there is a way to like uh, select all the tracks and then you go to edit, clear, you can you can clear all the automation out, but just make sure you, you've cleared all of your automation when creating your template, because otherwise it'll be saved in there. Yeah, I will also back Vadim up on that caution because um, I've even tried to nip, nip that problem off at the bud, but you do have to be careful because sometimes if you highlight all of your automation, at least in Studio One, I've run into this where you highlight everything and you click delete. So it deletes all the node points that you've put in of where to change the automation. Instead of taking me back to like a zero point, it ah. just puts everything at zero. And it's like, no, all the volume's off now. So sometimes what I'll do instead is I'll deactivate all the automation to say, because uh, for it to be on, it has to be reading. So I'll turn the right. automation to off. So the automation will still be there, the curves, but it won't actually be automating because the read isn't on. So you could do that as well, or you could just start You'll still scratch. have to deal with it eventually. Like you still have to somehow delete. At some point, you have to delete those node points, right? It, unless you don't use that automation in that song. But yes, oh, yeah, you're correct. Sure. Yeah. But in general, I, I this is one of the things I do include in my template. Um, I tend to write a lot of automation when I mix. So in my mix template, you know, I'll have, for example, my vocal bus. That is one of my tracks where I'm like, okay, I consistently use the same plugins. So if yeah. I find myself 25 times, I've pulled up the same plugin chain. That is our cue that it needs to be a template. And also yes. I find that there's consistently three or four parameters that I'm automating. And I don't want to have to select those from each plugin. When you write automation, you need to go into the plugin and select which parameter you're going to automate. I don't want to do that. So in my template, I do include some parameters that I will be oh, automating cool. because, you know, that's what I do. Um, so, yeah, that is you, you can you can again, it's a starting off point. I'm saving clicks. I don't you know the less I have to move my mouse and click stuff around, the faster I can work, the more I can be in the creative flow state.
sometimes if especially if i know i'm going to be writing a lot of automation as a best practice what i'll do is i'll always try to keep my faders at zero when i set up a template um because there's nothing more annoying than like opening a session or working with something where you have faders all over the place because as you start to write automation you have no idea sometimes wait where was my starting point if i screwed something up like wait were my guitars at negative 19 db or were they at negative 18.5 db <laughs> instead if your starting place on your fader is zero then you always know that the unity gain is the the neutral point and then if i have written automation that goes up a db or down a db then that's off from like my steady state of where i was working with the balance wait i, don't I know that. what you're gonna ask I know what you're yeah, gonna I, ask. I don't know how it works. So what I'll do instead of um, pulling faders, well, the first thing I'll do, and so we're getting into we're getting into mixing a little bit, but that's okay. Um, first thing I do whenever I balance out a mix is I'll level balance all the tracks with the faders. The very next thing is after I have those fader balances, I'll take uh, in Studio One, it's called Mix Tool, but it's a gain plugin. And then I'll match those fader moves with the gain tool so that yeah. I can I can zero out all my faders. And so it just makes for it makes for a little bit easier of automation. I'm gonna push back a little bit on that. Okay. I like the idea. And actually this is gonna get it back into templates because this is one of my my template tips. But basically what you're saying is you adjust your faders to get your static balance where you like yeah. it. And then you you play with the clip gain effectively to um, adjust the clip gain to match what the fader was. Yes. So your overall volume is the same. Then you can zero the, the when you zero your fader, now your overall balance remains. But this could do you ever run into a challenge from a gain staging standpoint? Because the way at least in Pro Tools it works is the clip gain is kind of in the front end of the channel. So like any plugins I install, if my clip gain, if I pull it down to minus 19, then the level going into the plugin is going to be very low. Whereas the fader is at the very end of the chain. So I'm just trimming yeah. kind of the end of my plugin chain. So yeah, that's only really, about gain staging. That's a really great question. Um, so in Studio One, it the gain tool, the mix tool, it works like a plugin. So I can put that at the end of my um, effects chain. And oh. I would do that in a situation where uh, I had a DI for a guitar. I would want that to be pretty hot going into an amp sim. And then I can pull down the gain using that gain plugin. I love it. That's a great, that's a great tip, actually. I've never done that. Um, but I really like it because now you're saying you've trust. You're saying I trust myself with my fresh ears. I've created my static mix. I'm happy with it, and you can always get back to that by just zeroing your faders, which is uh, exactly really cool. wow. Great mix. Great mix tip there. Thank you. Um, yeah. Where I was going to go with um, for for uh, gain for clip gain, where it's super useful. Again, in, in a situation, picture you're recording vocals. You always record vocals with the same mic in the same part of the room 
um, into the same preamp channel with the same settings, you know, your this is your setup. Well, you can have in your template, you can have, let's say, your EQ and your compression and all these plugins that you're going to use. And maybe one day you're a little bit farther from the mic, one day you're a little bit closer to the mic, one day you're screaming, one day you're not. But your gain staging for your plugins can be already set in your template. And then all you can do is like play with your clip gain to just push yeah. into that chain harder or softer. And now you'll be, that's a great way to do it. Rather than like starting from the beginning and staging every step of the way, you just adjust the signal going into a chain that's already gain staged effectively. I like I like that idea in theory. I haven't been able to make that as effective for me in practice, though. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because I do think it's a valid way of working. And, and I honestly would love it if I could eventually figure it out for myself, because it would make things so much easier to have like uh, preset uh, settings for my plugins, whether they're compressors or distortion or whatever they might wind up being. And then I can just adjust clip gain into there to get all my levels right. The reason it hasn't worked for me is uh, in some songs, um, in particular from the bass guitar, but it also can be guitar in general, the tone I want from my bass is very subby. And because the subs have a lot more energy, the overall volume is going to be less going into my uh, routing and my chain. So mm -hmm. it's just not going to be enough level to like engage the uh, the plugins the way that I want them to be. So I wind up having to adjust the plugins to react to the level balance of my instruments. Mm -hmm. Whereas, and now maybe you would say to me, well, why don't you just set your levels better so that you can just push into that and then they, uh, whatever your chain is, it kind of reacts to what you're doing so that it just automates to the right level. Uh, I wish it was that simple, but um, just for me, it just tends to not work as well yeah, as just no, starting from I, scratch. I agree with that. It, it, it tends to not work for me either, but I also very rarely run into situations where I'm doing the same exact chain for That's the same true. thing. I'm talking yes. for like, I'll give you an example where I do use this. Let's say I'm I have an album and I'm using um, program drums. I'm using the same kit on every song, and I know I roughly want the same that kit to sound the same way. Well, that's a perfect. That situation is ripe yeah. for this technique because those you know the program drums are super consistent anyway. But this could work for you if you're like a DIY musician and you have a sound and you always. Um, record consistently this it's worth a shot because it, it can make your workflow way faster another actually place that i i do use this is for recording acoustic guitar which i mm -hmm. just did a session last friday recording acoustic guitar i use four channels and i pretty consistently use four channels one way or another on acoustic guitar i take a di and then i have three mics in various positions mm. again ripe for a template because i always want to group those tracks so that i can edit them together I always want my track names to be the name of the microphone. I want the routing to be, you know, in, in my preamp the way I want it to be. That is another situation where it's like, why do I want to go create four individual tracks? Make it a template. I'm so glad that you brought this up because you'll, and you'll have to forgive me and us sometimes because we're doing more mixing work and engineering for other people. So Vadim and I are seeing 
a wide variety of tracks from week to week. So for us, it's harder to make that kind of a template work, but that's totally valid if you're a singer songwriter and you're writing your own material. In fact, I would do the same thing for myself. If I'm songwriting, I have a songwriting template mm. for my own stuff that has my favorite plugins and, and levels for everything. And even to the point where I know where I like my voice to sound so I can know visually, or when I say visually, I mean by analyzing the meters and where my vocal is hitting on a compressor. I know if it's right or not. And so it's a lot easier to get that consistency because my voice isn't going to change that much. Yeah, like I could get one or 2% better from week to week, <laughs> but it's not going to be as drastic as like, oh, I'm working on this pop song today with a female vo vocalist versus this metalcore song with a screamer. Right. Absolutely. So that, great point. Um, we kind of talked about, maybe we talked about this, but I, I did want to touch on the fact too that like you don't have to be so uh, oh, proper as in to create a template file to use a template. I, actually, you did mention this, Vadim, but um, you can just open an old session and just do a save as, and then that's that's your that's your way of using templates. Even though you're not starting from a template file, your template, in essence, is the last session that you worked on that's comparable to what you're doing now. Yep, and in Pro Tools, you can actually um, as a, the command is import session data. So if I mm. click import session data, I can select any session in my browser, and then I can tell it. I can say. Like for this podcast, actually, when I edit this podcast, I'll usually just import um, tracks from you know a consistent session, and I just tell it, "Don't import the audio from that session. Just give me the tracks and the plugins." And so it'll just it'll just load that in, and I'm, I'm I just put in my own audio clips from this week's episode mm. and get to go. That's awesome. I wish there was a feature. It doesn't quite work that way in Studio One some of the pro tools features for organizing audio are, are definitely superior, but you can do similar things in the other DOS. I know that, hmm. um, that was the body of what I wanted to talk about as far as templates go. Um, all I have less left are pros and cons. Anything else before we get into maybe pros and cons of templates? Um, I guess I I don't know. Do you want to talk about what's in your what's in your templates? You gonna pull that? That actually back would be that that would be interesting. You mentioned one thing that makes me realize I need to do this a little bit more. So the extent of the automation in my templates. So we're talking mixing templates. I guess I could apply for recording, but I I try not to do automation as much in my recording. <laughs> Templates, sure, unless I would, yeah. <laughs> unless I'm automating on, like, sometimes I will automate, um, uh, like, if I have a plugin that's emulating like a foot pedal. Oh, sometimes yep. I will automate that on and off, or like a wah, like I have a digital wah. I'll automate mm -hmm. that so that, um, I'll draw out the automation instead of me having to play it. <laughs> you know, yeah, fair enough. In, into the piece, so. In those such, but that wouldn't be in my template. I'd probably create that on the fly. Uh, so in my mixing template, I do have all of my instrument buses, volume automation set up, ready to go. Okay. I've never really thought about having individual parameters of plugins ready to go, though. 
So I might have to experiment with that because there's always ones that I wind up having to add or draw in. So um, with that being said, one thing I, I do when I'm done with a successful mix, I like to, I like to take time to decompress. I would do this if I remembered every time, but sometimes when you finish a mix at midnight, you just want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I do like to sit down and think, okay, what went well and what could have gone better? So I'll normally do this in a, in a notepad on my computer, but you can also do it in a physical notepad as well. But I'll write in anything that jumped out to me as like, I didn't have this plugin ready to go. And that was a great plugin. I want to add that to my mix template. So I might even open my mix template session, add it in there and do a save as to make sure it's there in the future. Um, I might take things away that, you know, I did have set up in my template, but I won't wind up realizing that I never use it or I'm overthinking a situation. That's a great point. I actually do the same thing, not only even uh, d during the decompress, which I like, but also while I'm mixing, I'll inevitably run into a problem like, oh, oh, this bus routing was wrong. And I make those notes. And then at the end of that session, I'll go back to my template and make all my corrections. And the idea is like, after three or four times, you should have a pretty clean working template ready to go. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, so what's in my template? I always have folders nested. I like to I like to keep each group of tracks nested into a folder that I can open and close. <laughs> I wish Pro Tools had that. That is like my one of my. They do in the newest five. version. Do they? You got Yeah, they do. I That's can't a new update feature. To it. I can't because I, I don't have Windows 10. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Anyway, go on. I like that. Folders is nice because you know how I like to work with <laughs> dozens and dozens of tracks. Yeah. Huh. And I'll also keep a folder of reference tracks. Ooh. And I don't, uh, I don't actually have any audio in the reference tracks, but they're basically placeholders four references that I could pull into my mix. And the nice thing about it is it's routed past my, um, my artificial mix bus uh, that yes. has all my processing on it so that it's unaffected by any plugin moves that I make. And it's also clipped down by 11 decibels because I've found that that's typically the general amount that you have to pull down a commercial mix to get it at mixing level. Yes. And you only have to blow your ears out once by <laughs> you got your level set up and you toggle to your reference track and it's 11 dB louder. And, uh, then you put that into your template. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's, that's the general like overview of what it would look like as far as what's in each of those folders. Um, I used to be, a lot more specific than I am now where like I would have pre-built into the drums, like kick in, kick out, snare top, snare bottom, tom one, two, three. Instead, I've made it a little bit simpler uh, where I'll just have a kick and a snare. And then if there's multiple mics that need to go on, you know, let's say there's a kick in, a kick out and a kick sub. Say there's three mics on the kick drum. 
all I'll do in that situation is I'll just duplicate that mm. uh, that kick channel twice because they're all routed to the same kick drum bus. All I have to do is just balance the relative levels. The reason I did that is because I found that like uh, it's just better to have to create three on the fly and then just fly in the tracks that you have because not every session is going to have two or three mics for a kick drum. Sure. A lot, a lot only have one, so why have more than you need? I like to have the minimum possible to get the job done, so there's no sense in having yeah. a, a hundred tracks. I, I used to have a track for every instrument in my template, and I was I spent more time deleting tracks, and I was <laughs> like, this is actually creating work for me. So now what I do, again, the idea here is if you're doing mixing, every track you're going to get is going to sound different. So I don't even want to necessarily replicate plugins for individual tracks. So now my template really only has buses. And for right. something like kick, all I'll have is my kick bus. And I try to do as much processing as I can at the bus level. At the track level, all I'm doing is like correcting things and massaging things. That's going to be different every time. That's my theory now. And so far, I've been happy with it. So yeah, all I have is like the, the, the instruments that I'm going to bus um, that can have multiple tracks in them, I will have those set up and ready to go in my template. What plugins, if any, do you have on your tracks? Do you have anything? I don't have your, any in your template. I don't have any tracks in my template. I only have buses. Oh, okay. So then you just create the tracks from scratch. I create the tracks from scratch and route them into the buses. And then that's fair have, enough. Yeah, the plugins I like. I've just found that like I, I, I end up having to mess too much with audio tracks and i like to just load in my tracks color them and you know route them to their buses and then i'm, I'm yeah off. that's very fair um one reason i like to have tracks pre-populated in there because the routing is already there and yeah. inevitably whenever i fly things in i'm gonna miss one and there's nothing there's nothing worse than like getting to where you think you're all almost done with the mix and you realize that your rhythm guitars are bypassed and they're going to your main output. And you're like, oh my gosh, those weren't being like, I was adding all of this. Like I added like 10 dB, a high shelf EQ to my whole mix, but the guitars weren't going through that. That's like a horrible yes, pit in your stomach feeling. To me. <laughs> Luckily, this is where the analog chain saves me because anything that bypasses my main bus doesn't go through the analog chain and then the timing is misaligned, right? Because oh. there's a bit of latency to get through the converters. So usually I catch it, but I have had cases where I'm like, holy crap, that synth is bypassing the main bus. And I was like, actually, that sounds kind of cool with the delay. So I'm going <laughs> to keep it. Do you ever... Um... Do you have plugins on your buses pre-populated? Oh, yeah. Tons of yeah, Okay, tons okay. Of plugins. I try to do most of my processing at the bus level if I can. Same. Okay. Same. Yeah, the only thing that I have on individual tracks unless I need it uh, is just that mix tool gain plugin and a parametric EQ, the stock yeah. one that's in exactly. Studio Studio 1. And that's it. Yep. And then everything else is at the bus level. Same. Um, okay. So I also have a MIDI drum kit by default in my mix and in my in my mix recording and songwriting templates. I have a MIDI drum kit that I've kind of uh hand created 
from, or I've uh, customized to suit my needs. And it's also routed uh, so that each mic is being spit out into a different output so that there are 14 different outputs. So I can control each level separately. Yeah. I like doing that because it's always a pain after the fact. Like if I'm just working with a stereo, and this is just me because I do a lot of mixing on stuff that I also song wrote and recorded. Mm -hmm. So it's just nice after I'm done producing, oh, look at that. I can just hit export stems and everything's ready to go instead of having to split everything up after, okay, I've produced this drum beat it sounds really cool now i have to route everything that's just a pain for me so i like to set it up by default Ooh, in the template. that's got my wheels turning because yeah right now i don't have that like i i do like to have midi instruments in my template and usually i'll have them in my template as bypassed because i don't always need them and i don't want them chewing up any of my i don't want my computer having to load samples or do anything like that but i don't account for that routing when i'm ready to bounce out and that is a big time suck so uh, I do need to think about whether I want to do that. But like one common production trick I use is tucking in <laughs> piano notes behind things. Mm -hmm. so I, I like to have in my template, I'll have my piano plugin loaded up, but bypassed because I don't do it in every song and I don't want to have, or not, not, not bypassed, inactive. Because at right. least in Pro Tools, if it's bypassed, it's still chewing up RAM potentially by loading in samples and so on. But if it's made inactive, then it's not chewing up anything. Any, any virtual instruments that I have in my templates, they're by default um, inactive. Perfect. I have yeah. to activate them to use them because that I saves like that. your CPU. Yep, absolutely. So that's another good tip. Um, the other thing I, I have, um, we haven't really mentioned yet, but uh, uh, all my effects buses, I tend to reach for similar effects so like reverbs delays so i of course have those yeah. set up and then you know you tweak them but they're already ready to go i like to route those things a certain way and um yeah big time saver so i think the the action for you if you're listening to this yeah is one is think about repetitive tasks that you've done over and over and over again and usually for me, the, the the flag is like when I just get that like eye rolling drag when I'm like, all right, here we go. Drum route. Yep. Like, wait a minute. Yep. Why am I doing this again? Right. That's right for a template. Or if you've already tried to use templates and failed, think about why you failed. Like think about your workflow. When you pull up a template, what are you doing? Are you instantly having to delete 50 tracks like I was? Waste <laughs> of time. Don't do that. Yep. So Play around with it, see what works for you, and uh, hopefully this improves your workflow. Now that we've like sang the praises of templates, oh sure, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about wh why we wouldn't use them. In what situation would you not use your template? Well, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I've kind of sort of solved that problem for myself by not having audio tracks in my templates. Um, okay. That's helped i i guess i wouldn't use a template if i was working on a song that i knew stylistically was very different than the type of stuff i've mixed through my template like if it was an orchestral piece or there was a million strings in it and no percussion I'm like well why would i use a template then right that's not what my template is designed for so i guess that's one scenario 
Um, the other thing, I guess, is I, I would be worried maybe about getting lazy, about always just by default reaching for the same things without asking myself why. Why am I using this compressor on the vocal? Is it because it's right or is it because it was in my template? That's just the things yeah. I would be maybe thinking about. But what are some of yours? I think that's great. I think you summarized it. Every now and again, um, I'll just throw up like a weird uh, synth plugin to get like some type of weird rhythm going and um, normally like a pad or some type of lead. And that normally inspires me to do something different and electronic. The funny thing is, is that once I write like an electronic song, I always think, man, this would sound so much more kick-ass if it was a rock song <laughs> Every almost every single time. Yeah. But I do love uh, getting inspired by like a different genre and going in a different way because it kind of breaks your brain from thinking of things in a certain way. Like for me, I'm always going to route a bass DI through the CLA 76 compressor because I, I like the way that it sounds. But if it's a synth bass... Mm. all all bets are off maybe i can right. use some compressor that i've never tried before yeah because yeah, there's just a line my brain a little bit there like on the one hand you want to reach for the tools you know and you're comfortable with and you want to start developing like a sound right and and part of that is going to be your your workflow and your tools you use on the other hand you don't want to get complacent and always do the same thing because uh, that, that's just it's just it's kind of like stagnation at that point, right? So yeah, yeah that's the line to walk there. Yeah, I hope this has really helped the listeners. And I will add, if you have anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up, please leave a comment in our Facebook community, DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. A lot of people in there are willing to help each other. So uh, we'd love to see you there, making some comments. Anything else to, to add, Vadim? That's it. All right, my friend. Well, once again, we are the DIY Recording Guys uh, asking you to remember to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Have a good one. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.